I really like my sex to advance the story and advance the couple's arc. So, like I in a put, musical, the song has to advance the story. It's like the anal needs to advance the story. Yes, yes. <laughs> if there's anal in this story, it's about claiming, it's about <laughs> trust. But first, a word from our sponsors Dick Wipes. Yes, I am telling you about Promescent's new Dick Wipes. These new wipes will help you last longer in bed and take up no less space in your pocket than a condom. Buy Promescent's Delay Wipes today at Promescent, P-R-O-M-E-S-C-E-N-T dot com. The Handy is leading a sex toy revolution for the dick havers. So you're going to want to get this one wrapped around your cock with free shipping when you use promo code Billy20 at thehandy.com. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to the smut peddlers and the dirty talkers, to the randy readers and anal editors. This is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Welcome to the show. If you're new, I do not normally sound this shitty. Uh, I went to, oh, took my girlfriend to the Jets game. We fucking won. There, so there was a lot of yelling and screaming and celebrating, but Billy uh, damaged his poor, delicate voice. But welcome to the show. I'll keep the intro quick since my voice is such shit. Uh, we have a very special episode this week. We're doing a very different type of show. I'm very excited about it. This week, we're talking all about erotica or erotic romance. I don't want to get yelled at. I'm, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's inappropriate to market this as an erotica episode if most of the authors technically do erotic romance, but I don't know. You ever get Carolyn and Caroline wrong? That stresses me out. So, so for layman's terms, I'm going to refer to this as the erotica episode, but you will hear that many of our authors primarily do erotic romance. Okay, I've covered my bases. So one of my highest tiers on Patreon, you can be on the Man Whore podcast. Asterisk, asterisk, tiny words, tiny words, tiny words. Okay, okay, okay. And so a couple months ago, I got a message from a woman on Patreon saying that in lieu of being on the podcast herself, she wanted me to do an entire episode dedicated to erotica. And so I pitched her this idea. And she was like, yes, please, let's do it. So shout out to Gretchen for making this episode happen. This episode literally goes out to you uh, for all your love and support on Patreon. You are awesome. So I'm talking to five different authors of erotic romance today. We're chatting with Theodore Taylor, Sky Warren, Kylie Gable, Annika Martin, and Tiffany Rice. Now, I have like no background or knowledge of erotica or erotic romance or romance novels, anything like that. All right. I haven't even watched The Notebook all the way through. Okay. My only background with erotica is literotica.com, which is a really great website with a lot of really hot stories and a lot of not very well written stories. 
and I went to this boarding school where they had like some pretty strict rules. You could get like bad punishments at my at my boarding school. They had like 5:30 a.m. workouts. So if you were like, you know, skipping meals or misbehaving, they could just say you have a 5:30 tomorrow. And I hated waking up early and I hated workouts. I hated working out that early in the morning. So I was a pretty big rule follower at Hyde because I did not want to do a 5:30 a.m. workout. Then again, they did call me Narky McGee in high school, so that might also make sense. But you could, one of the rules was you couldn't have porn. I would print out stories from Literatica when I was home on breaks, and then I would just like keep them in this like folder at the bottom of a desk drawer because no one's really going to be looking for it, and it doesn't really look like porn because it's not dirty pictures on it. It's just words. Like That's all I got. So I was fascinated by what these authors had to share with me. And at the end of each author's segment, we do... A little reading, a little a manhoa theater, if you will. Forced feminization, minotaur cock, and the ever-elusive eligible billionaire. Let's get smutty. Even I wish I could last longer during sex. Yeah, me, the manhoa podcast guy. Yeah, sometimes, you know, all the breathing in the world can't stop me from busting a nut. And about a year ago, I tried Permession's Delay Spray, and I was truly surprised by how effective it was at increasing my stamina. Now, Permession is using the same premature ejaculation technology in an efficient wipe for the casual consumer. Yes, everybody, dick wipes. I am finally sponsored by dick wipes. I've wanted to be sponsored by dick wipes for literally years. This is a dream come true. But that dream doesn't come quicker than I'd like. Ayo, okay, permissions delay wipes are such an upgrade for me. I can just rip open the package, give my dick a quick once over, and, and I'm ready to go with a lot more confidence. And, and a lot of times, I don't have medical PE, although the delay spray spray, fantastic if you've got like the PE PE, but like I just want to gain some extra minutes on my time. And most of the time to do that, I just need that boost of confidence to know I can get there. Plus, Permission sells a whole line of sexual wellness products. So if you want to get better in bed and you want more time to be better in bed, try out Permission's Delay Wipes at Permession.com. That's P-R-O-M-E-S-C-E-N-T.com. And we thank them for sponsoring the Man Whore Podcast. Holy shit, I got jerked off by a porn star. Kind of, uh... It was with a VR headset and my handy, but it felt real, and uh, a boy can dream. Yes, my sponsor this week is The Handy, and it's a handjob machine. With their content partnerships, both in virtual reality and normal, or whatever you call not virtual reality, reality, in virtual reality viewing and reality viewing, uh, you can sync your handy like to the porn, and that is a game changer. I bought this cock exercises video because, you know, I'm trying to work out. <laughs> I bought this cock exercises video from Kylie Cupcake. I skipped ahead to volume two. Now, if you got a dick or you know someone with a dick, you want to gift this too so you can give them long distance handies, you're not going to find a tighter fit. All right. Anyone who's tried the other, you know, stimu simulator machines out there, you know what I'm talking about. You don't want no loosey goosey fake pussy. <laughs> this, I'm sorry. This is ridiculous. I'm selling virtual hand jobs 
I'm ready to die today. Not really. Don't get any ideas up there. Anyway, just in time for the holiday season, you can get expedited free shipping when you use promo code Billy20 at thehandy.com. Yeah, now look, they already give you free shipping. It's a marketing ploy. It's almost a scam. Everybody does it. You show up to a website to buy a thing. You see uh, free shipping and you go, oh, oh my God, this is great. This is a great deal. But it was always going to be free shipping. But when you use my promo code, you get expedited shipping for free. They don't just give that to anybody. They give that to Fan Horn Nation, okay? So don't wait to get the realest fake hand job you've ever had. Shop at thehandy.com, T-H-E-H-A-N-D-Y.com, and use promo code BILLY20. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Now let's get to the show. Hi, my name is Theodore Taylor. I write hot books with heart or kissing books, whatever you want to call them, romance. I'm an Amazon top 10 best-selling romance author. Kissing bo- Wait, is kissing books like a term? Sometimes like a thing? people, <laughs> my friend, a, a few of my friends call them kissing books. How do you write kissing in an extra hot way? I don't really put a lot of thought into kissing. I'm really more about the sex scenes. I like for my sex scenes to have like a lot of psychology going on, sometimes power dynamics. They, you know, there are two different, there are several different feelings on writing sex scenes in a lot of romance authors do them differently, but I really like my sex to advance the story and advance the couple's arc. So like I in a put, musical, the song has to advance the exactly. story. It's like the That's anal exactly needs it. to advance the story. Yes. yes. <laughs> if there's anal in this story, it's about claiming it's about <laughs> trust. It's about this couple is kind of like gone to, it is totally the musical number where the musical <laughs> number is just kind of like, um, this either labels where we are now, it advances the story somehow. That was a great way to put it. So what's your style of erotic romance? My tagline is hot books with heart. So mm. I like for, I like basically to put a lot of heat in books. I like big operatic situations like revenge, <laughs> like anything <laughs> that an opera could be based around. Mm-hmm. Revenge, long last, long lost loves, like lovers um, reunited, all that stuff. I love that stuff, but I also like for books because I am from a women's fiction background to have a lot of heart, a lot of psychology. Mm-hmm. And you said you also. Uh- write most of your, of your stories as interracial romances. Yes, I do only interracial, not most, only sure. interracial romance. Where's that come from? Like many romance 
authors in their 40s um, before like rating systems <laughs> came to television and um, parents got really concerned about what you read. I started reading romances when I was like 11 or 12. And so I read romances, read romances, and then I went to um, Smith College and I majored in English. So, you know, I would... I started reading more women's fiction, more literary novels. But then um, after my miscarriages, I I had this sad problem where I just didn't want to read. Like I would try to read and I'd get sad or I just couldn't manage it. And then romances were great because they were consistent. I knew that if I started reading, it would have a happy ending. There wouldn't be any, um, There would, even if there was sadness, it would be fixed toward the end. So when I was going through this very sad point in my life, I just became a voracious romance reader again. So, and it felt like I started to get happier and happier as, you know, time passed. And so by the time I released my own romance novel, I realized that a few things had changed about the romance market. And one was that there was now this, now people are writing interracial romance and I'm in an interracial marriage. And so I really loved seeing couples who they don't look like (laughs) me and my husband because most of them are extraordinarily beautiful, but (laughs) you know, well, you know, mainstream beautiful. I always say I'm beautiful, but I'm not mainstream beautiful. (laughs) So, you know, they, and so they featured couples who were um, black women and white men. And I really loved these um, books and I read all of them and I didn't have anywhere else to go. The 2010 census results has started rolling out in 2011. And there was all these stories at the time about how, oh my God, there are all these interracial marriages. There's so many interracial marriages. Yeah. And so they're like doing all these news reports. (laughs) Now that we're in 2021, I think people find that very hard to believe that people were super surprised. Virginia versus Loving was how long ago? Yeah. Well, (laughs) not that long ago. It was like, Oh, 19. I should know this off the top of my head, but it wasn't as long ago as you'd want it to be. Let's just put it like that. It wasn't 100 years ago. It doesn't have a century under its belt yet. You know, all these stories are coming out about like now one in 10 marriages are interracial marriages and people were, you know, kind of reporting on it. And then I read something somewhere where they were like, you know, this trend is just destined to continue. There will be more and more interracial romance. Destined, marriages. like it's a bad thing. What? No, no, <laughs> it's a, like it's a good thing. Okay. Like, you know, or, you know, no way. They were just like, there will be more and more interracial romance okay. it, uh, marriages. And so I was just like, well, if I'm in an interracial relationship, there's got to be a lot of other people in interracial relationships who want to read this. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time I was just kind of like, well, if I could make like $50,000 a year, I would be like totally happy with that. And I bet I can do this if I, if I write like 10 books in this category. And I made that like after by 
like it was, it it took like maybe four or five books before I made like $50,000. And so it was just kind of like, I was right. (laughs) It's like, oh, it's a category that will grow. And then eventually um, the Amazon store or the Kindle store added uh, multicultural and interracial romance as its own category because Mm -hmm. it got in that big. And I want to say- Did you see a big boost in sales once they did that? Um, Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Like people like once people were able to find it, because, you know, a lot of people now it's like a top 100 category and people will go and try to find Mm -hmm. people who really love interracial romance will go and try to find interracial romance. Mm -hmm. And they'll be just kind of like, oh, there's a new Theodore Taylor novel out and they'll just click it. I, I now I told you I, I'm not very familiar with the space and, and most of my research you know I know literatica from my you know high oh, school, from my I youth used to love literatica right yeah that was my introduction but but like I don't know the space very well so I was like looking around I'm doing very basic bits like uh, Google searches trying to find erotic authors like mm. who I should be talking with my perception is it appears to be like a very white space. A lot of white authors, a lot of white characters, a lot of white shit. You know, is that, am I perceiving that correctly? Have things shifted since you started? That's interesting that you should say that. How old are you? I'm, oh gosh, that's a personal question. No, uh, I'm, 30, I'm 32, <laughs> unless you're a casting person. Uh, uh, no, yeah, I'm, I'm 32. My hairline is 40, but I'm 32. No, I'm I was inter- just saying, like, I, yeah. I was trying to find authors and I noticed, like, wow, it's like, just a lot of white ladies, like was okay. Like I, I, I speak to white women sometimes. I guess, yeah. You know, I, I'll make some time. But then, so to find authors of color, I had to, I had to like search that to try to find that. You have to understand that when I was growing up, and I went to a library to, like, you know, get a romance novel. There were zero. Yeah. So for me, I'm just like, there's tons of people now (laughs) in the like, but for your generation, where it's just kind of like, especially for younger people, I would think they would say, hey, there's really not enough or, but I think, and also because I started interracial romance when there just weren't that many um, interracial romance authors. So now I feel like there are a ton ton of great authors. And yeah, there could be more. I would say there's just a lot of us. Like if you go to Amazon and you click on like African-American romance or you click on multicultural, you'll find a lot of us as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're going to uh, we're going to read a, a little clip of your work. I'm very oh, excited to see you. what we got going on. Tell us a little bit about the scene I'm about to read of your work. Tell us a little, what's going on, what's the name of the, the book, and who are the characters? What are we walking into here? Okay, this is a scene from Her Russian Billionaire, which is my freebie if you want to check mm. it out. The main characters are a couple. This is the prologue. They've met while they were in grad school. They're very poor. They're living in this dumpy apartment. Neither of their families approve of the fact that they're together. His family doesn't even know. He's basically Russian mafia, and she doesn't know this. And her family really doesn't approve. She's um, the daughter of a mayor of a small Texas town. This is some banter that they have Mm -hmm. at the beginning before he goes off to work, and she goes off to school. It's... Set in Dallas during a heat wave, 
he wants to talk to the landlord again about getting their AC fixed. Yeah, so he's he's going like, you deserve a better place. I don't want to see yes. you suffer. And she's like, I'm not suffering, baby. The only reason I'm still here. Oh, I see. I can't do the Texas twang. But really? I mean, you can do a Russian? You can't do. I mean, Texas I didn't say twang? it's a good Russian accent. I think it's like a comical, um, like, you know, <laughs> we're at a bar and we're trying. But I'm, I'll try to do a twang as well. You know what? I can actually do a really good Southern accent. So I will do I will do her dialogue and you can do everything else. How about that? So you start with I'm not suffering, baby. I'm not suffering, baby. The only reason I'm still here is I don't have anything clean to wear except for a miniskirt and a couple of tank tops. I have no idea what I'm going to do for underwear. Alexi's dick pulsed at the mental image of her in a miniskirt wearing nothing underneath. As if sensing his desire, Eva crawled over to where he stood at the edge of the mattress and unwrapped the towel from around his waist. Maybe instead of talking to the landlord, you could be my honeybee and do a couple loads of laundry for me before you leave for work. She brought her face so close to his penis that he could feel the heat of her breath when she spoke. Few people hated doing laundry more than his Eva, and after three months of living with her, he had to learn to recognize the beginnings of a laundry negotiation. You don't want me prancing around the school of social work in a miniskirt with no underwear, do you? She asked, her Texas accent becoming even sweeter as her words got dirtier. What if I forgot I'm not wearing any panties and accidentally bend over in front of one of them horny security guards? Alexei shook his head in disbelief. You are using sex to get me to do your laundry again. Eva shook her head, lightly grazing his dick with her cheek. No, darling, I'll have sex with you even if you don't do my laundry. (laughs) (laughs) She stuck out her tongue and ran it slowly over the sensitive ridge of his large penis, taking its bulbous head in her mouth for a moment before saying... But if you agree to wash two loads of my clothes, I can promise you the sex will be even hotter. He wasn't a laughing man by nature, but he'd be damned if Eva didn't make him smile. In my country, girlfriends do their own laundry and that of their boyfriends. Mm Mm-hmm. This time, she took his dick in her hand and closed her mouth around it, giving it three languorous sucks before releasing it again. Languorous. I didn't even know that was a word. So that was <laughs> nice on you. You probably wish you had one of them Russian girlfriends right now, don't you? I'm sure they always have clean underwear on under their mini skirts. You are vixen. You should wash your own clothes every week as I do and not wait until last minute. Eva took him in her mouth again and suckled him for a few long minutes until he forgot all about the gym. Alexi clasped her by the back of the head, holding her steady as he pumped into her mouth, an urgent need building up in his groin. But she suddenly stopped and pulled away, dodging his seeking hand when he tried to pull her back down to finish what she'd started. I think I ought to show you what might happen if you send me off to school with no panties today. She said before dancing away to open a dresser drawer from which she pulled out a miniskirt. Because maybe I'm just being silly. I might not have anything to worry about, right? She put on the miniskirt, then knocked a pen off the dresser and gasped with faux innocence. Oops, I dropped this pen. Better pick it up. She bent over at the waist, giving him a tantalizing peek of her glistening, wet 
pussy. You can't see anything, can you? Nothing that might attract unwanted attention from a school of social work security guard, right? Before Alexei could even try to reason himself out of her sexy trap, he was behind her and sinking his dick, still wet from her mouth, into her soaking pussy. I will do your laundry, Kotanak, but only if you promise to be waiting for me in this exact position when I get home. <laughs> I love that. That was so much fun. And scene. <laughs> that was great. Oh, that was so much fun. Oh, my gosh. I'm Sky Warren, New York Times bestselling author of Dangerous Romance. And coming up here on my 10-year publish anniversary. So hmm. um, yeah, big milestone it's there. Exciting. What is erotic romance, smut, erotica? I've heard a lot of words used to describe this type of writing. Yeah, so erotica always has a high heat level. But in particular, when you think about story, it usually means that the story development is... Um, based on what happens during the sex scenes, mm. it moves the, the plot along in the same way that danger moves a thriller along. And so um, so the heat level is fun, but it's also part of the story. It's part of the conflict. And I think that's what makes it interesting. So, you know, I've always been drawn to writing um, sexy scenes. In fact, the first things I ever wrote were not in a book. They were on Literatica. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that site still. And I started posting stuff there and I was getting good feedback. And yeah, and then I, I got, you know, I really consider myself first and foremost, first and foremost, a romance author, which usually that's like erotic romance. It just means that the couple has to end up together. Um, mm -hmm. So you could write an erotic story that has a heroine who is just coming of age and she's not going to end up with anyone. She's going to go off and live her own life at the end of the story. And maybe she was just working through some kind of conflict, but if she doesn't end up in a relationship, then it's not called a romance. So that's very interesting. So you're saying like just plain erotica, it's fingering for fingering sake, but like erotic romance, like the fingering has a purpose. It's bringing us to an end goal. Yeah. Well, actually you can have erotica that, um, I mean, I would say is sort of thinky and has, you know, a lot of character development and, but it just doesn't end with romance, you know, like she could be working through a grieving process and she does that, you know, maybe with someone, there's a book that I read where she met him at like, a, what is it called? Group meeting where of survivors. And so oh. they hooked up. No. <laughs> it's a little darker. Sorry. <laughs> and so like they were working through it together you know, sexually, but they, if there's no romance, they didn't end up together. So, but that's, so that, that's kind of how I define the difference between erotica and erotic romance. How did you get into this type of writing? Well, I didn't actually know that romance existed as a genre. I mean, I knew about literatica for many years, but I didn't know that you could get it. You could get entire books of it. I didn't know where it was in bookstores. Um, and I didn't know that it was, you know, tucked behind um, those covers in like the romance section. And so when I got my first iPhone, um, my uh, I found the Kindle app and then I was able to discover romance and I just started reading them. And as soon as I started reading them, I knew this is where I belonged. This is, you know, an entire group of people who like what I like. I didn't immediately know that I was going to be a writer, but I had read for a while. And at the time, like, like I said, it's been 10 years now, self-publishing was still very new. And so with the publishers being gatekeepers, they would decide, 
oh, readers don't want this. Um, and I am drawn to the more darker things, the more taboo things, the more forbidden things. And um, so they would say, well, we, you know, we don't want that. We want it light and sunny, you know. And so um, so I wasn't always finding the kind of books that I wanted to read. Mm. So then that's where I start, decided to start writing them. What was like the difference between the books you were finding and the books you actually wanted to read? Like what was missing from what you had? Um, you know, I think it was very, ta- like 10 years ago, I mean, the landscape has changed so much in part because of ebooks and self-publishing and like the democratization of publishing. But, um, you know, like one of the things, like my very, one of my first stories was actually about a woman who was a rape survivor and they would have, they would occasionally be portrayed in romance, but usually it was in a very, um, I've never been with another guy since that one experience. And I'm very, you know, shy and the way that I will heal is, you know, in this certain prescribed path. And that sort of frustrated me because like, I was like, there's just all these women not being represented. The cumulative effect is that there's like this message of there's just one true way to like be a survivor. Um, And so I wanted to write that and I wanted it to be sexy. And I also wanted it to be a romance and I wanted it to be fun and all these things that you don't necessarily associate with being a survivor, but that's what I wanted to read Mm -hmm. in a story. And so that's what I wrote. Now, how would you describe your style of erotic romance? Yeah, so I, like I said, I do prefer, I do like books that are darker. I like books that are taboo. I like books that are forbidden. For a while there, there was this trend of romance books that were actually, I mean, it did, what didn't happen too often, but there was this trend of, pub, of books that were published with and without sex scenes. So if you liked the sexy stuff, you could read that. But if you didn't, they would be taken out. And so for my books, that would never work. Because so much character development happens in the story, so much plot happens in the sex, that taking them out just would be confusing. Um, mm. And I really, to me personally, just I, that's how I feel sex should be written in any book. Um, it's not there just to be an explosion on the screen to show that this is an action movie. I mean, it should be doing something. Is erotica the stuff that has the words cock and balls and fuck and, and the erotic romance is a little lighter on the language or am I way off? Um, I would say that the bar has definitely shifted and explicit is more the norm. Mm. And, you know, I don't know if that's a sign of the times or, I, you know, if to some extent that's a sign of, you know, it used to be, like I said, when publishers were gatekeepers, they would literally be able to say, you can't use the word cock, you have to use a different word. And now with self-publishing being so prevalent, well, we're all using it. And so then even the publishers like, okay, we'll use it. We don't want to be the only ones not using it. Right. So <laughs> We don't want to, we don't want to be the lame ones. <laughs> I think it gets a little bit more tricky when we're talking about uh, females. Mm-hmm. I think because they are, hmm, what's the word? Not politicized, but just they're charged. Like they can be insults, right? Um, like being a pussy or, you know, the C word. Um, assuming that I can say that here. Um, um, it's the man whore podcast. You can say cunt. <laughs> it's okay. You want to um, say like, it together? We could both say cunt. You okay. Can, I, can <laughs> say, I can do it. I normally type it, but fine. Um is no, it weird yeah. saying these words out loud? <laughs> <You're> um, like, <laughs> oh, gosh. When I started, oh, when I started first doing appearances and reading, I just would, I would blush like crazy um, a little bit more inured to it now. But yeah, I mean, some people just because they've seen that word as an insult, um, you know, and to them it's offensive, so they don't want to use it. Um, I, like, I have a friend that like 
you know, she just hates the way that they're usually described as folds. She's like, what's folded? Nothing oh. is folded. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I kind of feel like the, the, the female body parts are a little bit more controversial. Um, yeah, no, I really feel like we have gotten away from any sort of like claiming man rod conversations in our genre. I feel like that would be very rare. Like you would have to look at a book that was like 30 years old to find yeah. it. Why do you think your preferred style is is darker? What what is that about for you? Oh gosh. Um unresolved trauma? I don't know. <laughs> That's a fair answer. I know. Um yeah, actually, um it it is true that some I'll go in phases and sometimes I just don't feel like writing as dark. And I one of my favorite authors, she wrote books that were pretty dark and she she's been writing for I don't know, like forty years. She doesn't write like that anymore. And she's like, I, I could never write some of those books. And I actually feel like that. Some of my earliest books, I could never write them again. Mm-hmm. So um sometimes you're just going through an experience. You know, for me, it's pretty normal to cry through writing a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun fact. <laughs> I also started writing them when my, um, I started writing seriously when my son was a baby. And so I would be worried that he would wake up, you know? So I would write in the hallway on like the cool tile floor with my laptop, like hunched over his terrible posture. Don't do that to your shoulders. <laughs> I, I am first of all, just like intellectually interested in people's kinks. Like that's what's hot to me is watching, you know, someone get turned on by something and it doesn't really, you know, even if it's not what turns me on. So I think from that perspective, I was always like, you know, maybe like well-suited to write sexy books. And I, um, from a creative point of view, like to explore different things, but in terms of darker stuff, yeah, it's just really personal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Sky. So you have a scene for us from one of your works. Do you want to kind of introduce both, uh, what, what work it is from and maybe introduce the scene and characters at play? I know as one of the readers, I love to know my motivation. Uh, so private property is one of my really recent releases and it's a modern day retelling of Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. And some of the people who've read this book have been fans of Jane Eyre, just like I was. And they've said, oh, you know, I love it. Um, And then some people haven't. They're like, oh, I haven't read it, but I bet Charlotte Bronte is turning over in her grave because of course mine is way hotter than the original. And But I like to think (laughs) that she would not be turning over in her grave. I like to think that she was right on the same page with me. You know, she just couldn't write, get it down on paper, but she knew Rochester. She knew how he'd be. I, I like to think that she's masturbating in her grave to your work, you know? Right, 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 right. Um, and do you want to, int- and, and who are the characters? What's going on in the scene we're about to read? Okay. So, um, Bo Rochester has gotten, um, custody of his niece. And so mm-hmm. he has no experience with children. So he hires this nanny and the nanny comes to live with them in this remote, um, cliffside town in Maine, very Gothic, very rainy. Um, and so they're living, you know, together in this forced proximity situation, um, he's her boss. Um, there's a power differential. There's an age differential. And they both know that they shouldn't be doing anything together, mm-hmm. which just makes it better, right? Ooh, yeah, I know. It's uh, always fuck people that you, you're not really supposed to. It seems to be <laughs> the theme. <laughs> okay. Um, the air in the hallway should be freezing, but I don't feel the cold. There's only heat in his gaze across my skin. I push the waistband of my panties down to my thighs. Good girl, he murmurs. The words wash over me in a rush of pleasure and embarrassment. I know it's wrong to be doing this with my boss. 
with a man so much older than me, with a man who has power over me. But it feels sharper because of those things, sweeter because of them too. He leans close, enough that I can feel the warmth of the words against my temple. Spread your legs and hold your nightgown higher. It's hard to spread them with my panties around my thighs. I can only open them about a foot apart. Logistics, right? You know, always an issue. (laughs) The confinement of the elastic makes it hotter, as if I'm tied up for him in a net of my own making. Even my hands are restricted. I'm holding up the fabric, which means I can't do anything else. I can't pull him closer. I can't push him away. As long as I follow his commands, I'm trapped against this wall, open for whatever he wants. He traces designs over my ribcage, and I shrink away from the ticklish sensation. He draws a heart on my stomach, and I suck in a breath. There's letters written into my skin along the side of my hip, but I can't make out the words. I'm on fire. He's teasing me the same way he teased my breasts, avoiding the place where I need him most. Pride has no space in this hallway. I push my hips forward, trying to tempt him, needing him more than my dignity. Finally, he pushes two fingers between my legs. He's nimble and light when he wants to be, precise when it comes to pain. But he's a blunt force in my pussy, two fingers rubbing hard and fast, making me pull up on my toes. I realize that he wants me this way, off balance. When I move my hips in a rhythm against his hand, he pulls back. The wall is trembling at my back. No, I'm the one trembling. Please, please, please. You beg so pretty. Men would die to have you, you know that? That makes me laugh, an unsteady, breathy sound. I'm no one. You are softer and more vulnerable than anything I have ever seen. It's like touching water. There's something not quite right about that. He shouldn't want me vulnerable. Or maybe I shouldn't like him being such a fortress. The thought flits through my head, then his lips touch mine, and it's gone. Oh, I can't tell if it's hot in here because it's 80 degrees outside and I have the AC <laughs> off or if it's just your story. Sky, way to go. <laughs> yeah, we, we nailed it. Hi, my name is Kylie Gable and I am a writer, uh, mostly in feminization and female domination. I've been writing for six years now, I think. Maybe, seven, yeah, about six years. I've got over 450 books out there and i am also the publisher of candy apple press which has another whole lot of books out there now kylie gable uh something i learned only a mere hour ago you're you are a a man last i checked yes (laughs) i um when i when i started i you know i had no idea what i was doing but i did know that I read some um, feminization erotica that was out there on Amazon. Everybody had a female name. Now, I met and talked to a lot of the writers. There were some amazing women who wrote this. There were some amazing men who wrote this. And there were some amazing trans women who wrote this. Everybody was using a female name. So when I went through my own feminization experience, the girls named me Kylie. Uh, tell us a bit about like what is it that you write and how did you get into writing it? I do fetish erotica. Some of them, some of the stories have have romance elements. Some of them don't, but some of them do. And I'd say maybe forty percent of my stories have have some kind of kind of romance in them. Do you want to tell the audience what forced femi- um, what what forced feminization is? Forced feminization 
is a story where a guy is basically put into the appearance, mannerisms, all the different ways of, of doing, you know, of, of basically treating them as a woman. My style is not magic. It's not science fiction. Um, it's mostly just dressing up. There's a lot of guys who had some kind of experience when they were younger where some girls ganged up on them and gave them a makeover. And for most people, it was just harmless fun. And for some of us, it was like, wow, that was exciting. And I kind of had that moment in college. And that's where, you know, I, I started, you know, started my, my writing from was actually writing my own what happened to me in college. And, and I thought that I had uh, outsmarted one of the girls who was, you know, doing this little prank or hazing or whatever you want to call it on me. And I said, well, you know, if you're, you're trying to, you know, show how superior you are by, by turning me into a girl, isn't that, you know, are you saying girls are inferior? And he, she said to me, we're not trying to turn you into a girl. We're just trying to turn you into what you think a girl is, you know, wearing a dress doesn't make you a woman any more than wearing pants makes you a man. So it's not quite as, oh, women are stupid, so let's put a guy in a dress and, and he'll feel stupid too. You know, it's not really that. And after college, I had absolutely no idea what to do with it. I kind of put it in the background and, and started having a bunch of normal vanilla type relationships. But I knew I had been through something tremendously erotic to myself. And I discovered phone sex. And my first three months on phone sex, I spent enough money to buy a new car. Not a great new car, but I spent about $15,000 in three months. I finally had someone I could talk to about this because this wasn't something I wanted to tell girlfriends about. And it wasn't something I wanted to tell guys at the bar about. I finally had people I could talk to. And I really hit it off with, with, with one woman I was calling. I'm still friends with her. In fact, we're business partners now. And she said to me, you know, I know how much you make. You can't keep doing this. And then she said, you know, one thing you could do is to make a little more money. You've told me about what happened to you in college. I have so many sissies who call me that would love to read it. And that's what started me writing. It was, it was to pay for my enormous phone sex bill. There's another type of feminization story. Like I said, we don't do magic. We don't do science fiction. There's that type of story where it's like, pow, you're a woman. Now what's your experience as a woman? Whereas the type that I write is more like most of the story has to do with your transition of how do you adjust to becoming a woman? And then, you know, as opposed to poof, it's all done. And You're so, exploring that transitionary phase where a lot of other stories might skip over it and they're focused on the outcome. Right. It's like with two different parts. And I'll mention the outcome and they'll mention the transitionary phase, but our focus is completely different. And why is this different than, say, writing a story about a, a trans woman's transition? Well, I think you, I think you actually kind of just hit on this already. It, it's about how somebody adjusts and even if you did a wrote about a trans woman's transition it's about how somebody adjusts i have written a handful of characters 
where, you know, it was the next logical thing. That's what they did. But for most of my characters, it's how do you take the feminine and keep the masculine? How does this relate to you? People love the woman wronged stories where the guy, I always say there's this very, very fine line where feminization seems like the appropriate punishment. (laughs) You know, if, if a guy is sexually assaulting women, don't put him in a dress, you know, send him to prison or get him fired. If a guy cuts you off in the grocery store line, he shouldn't have to spend the rest of his life in dresses. There's just this really, really narrow. And in, in those kind of stories where the punishment fits the crime, those are very popular. Wait, so uh, Kylie, like what's an example of something I can do to be forced to wear a dress? Okay. Well, um, give me some tips. I think I'm asking. <laughs> I'll give you what worked for me. <laughs> for me, I was in one of those three o'clock in the morning college conversations that only happen in college. And there was an upper class woman there and three other women. We were talking about majors and fallbacks. And one of the, one of the, the upper class women, she, um, she was majoring pre-med and she had a 4.0 GPA. I don't remember my exact words, but what I told her was basically, you know, it's a shame that doctor and nurse are two different majors because I don't know there are a lot of jobs for women doctors, but you would probably make a really excellent nurse. Wow. <laughs> no idea why the women in the room were suddenly pissed at me. I, 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 I hope in today in 2021, you have an idea. Uh-huh. I promise I am not the same person as I was at 18. But I have this, first off, I'm the only boy in my family. So I had this worldview that like I was the golden child. And secondly, I didn't mean anything by it, but I was really good at sticking my foot in my mouth. And so... You know, and and long story short, I got challenged by a wrestling to a wrestling match by a girl and uh, lost. And then once I was pinned down, one of her friends asked me, "So how does it feel to get your ass kicked by a girl?" Of course, I couldn't leave well enough alone, and I said, "Well, I wouldn't say she kicked my ass. I said I didn't want to hurt her, and there was all this furniture, so it's not like I could really go all out. This didn't really prove anything." And the problem with making all those excuses is she was still on top of me. Guys with big mouths or, you know, chauvinist bosses, those are always good targets for those types of stories. Mm -hmm. So now, Kylie, today we're going to read, well, I am going to read with your reader a a, a scene from one of your books. Uh, would, Would you like to introduce your reader? Sure. Um, my reader, who is a friend of mine who has given me the most awesome dog in the world, and I've, I've known her for, for over five years now, uh, Shayla Spazia, who is a just one of my favorite readers. She has this amazing Texas twang, which you're about to hear, which my, my readers just go nuts for. Hello, Shay. Hello. I'm very excited to read this scene with you. Uh, Kylie, can you give us like an introduction into uh, what what the the book that this is from and what this scene is and, and where, who these characters are? 
the story is it's it's part of a four part series. This is actually the from the fourth part called Pinup from A Guy to E Girl. It's actually the first COVID story that I wrote. All through COVID, I kind of ignored it. But I had this idea. I know a lot of women who wound up situations with work turn to things like OnlyFans over COVID. You know so, I did too, everybody. At Call Me Billy. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so I had this idea, which was um, three, three, three people in an apartment, two girls and one guy. And the guy had a crush on both of them in high school. And they're in their 20s now. He works at a restaurant. And one of them loses her job and goes to OnlyFans before the COVID. And another one... She worked at a hotel and she, she, her, you know, both their jobs were shut down. And so they, they put him on one of their, one of their streams that they did. And they basically picked on him and abused him and were shocked at how much money that brought in. Well, that worked for a while. And before long, they realized he made a pretty decent looking, looking woman. He owes them a lot of money from rent, he owes a lot of money on student loans. And they decided that. You know, you could pay off all of that if if you did this. And so it, it's sort of these two women, Dawn and Allie, who take who take Tony and kind of turn him into Tanya. So that's where we're at. Ooh. Hmm, spicy. Well, uh, Shayla, I'm very excited to do this reading with you. So for the listeners, uh, Shay is going to do the uh, the parts of Dawn and Allie, and I am going to be the uh, fabulous Tony slash Tanya, as well as the narrator. So without further ado, clearing the throat. <clears> throat> okay. <clears throat> Sexy voice. Let's go. Okay. Timidly, he picked up the dildo as was instructed. He had no doubt that he was turning the same bright red color as his lipstick at this point. If you like it, why don't you give it a great big kiss? Suggested Dawn with a wicked grin plastered across her face. He did as she had suggested. He knew she was waiting for him to disobey her instruction or refuse. She must have known that Allie liked his willingness to suck off Jared and hoped to make him appear unwilling now. Hey, you didn't say nothing about Jared before. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Y'all going to go have to buy the full book to find out what happened with Jared. Uh (laughs) That's a pretty impressive dildo. Ten inches long, realistic with balls. Pubic hair and suction cup, said Allie. Where did you get it? That's pretty awesome. Oh, I got it for Tanya, replied Don. I thought we could get some pictures and videos with it, but she kind of graduated to real guys first. She sure did, agreed Allie. Don's goal was achieved. She and Allie were on the same team again, and Tony was the outsider that they were both working on training. He spent the next 30 minutes on his knees with the dildo stuck to the living room wall by the suction cup. As he performed simulated oral sex on the dildo, the girls would offer him coaching and cheer as he humiliated himself licking and sucking the fake cock. Just so you know, sissy, now that you have a dildo, we are going to expect certain things from you, said Don. 
what? He asked, pulling his mouth from the rubber phallus. Keep sucking. You're doing great, said Allie. You're going to be some so good at it, laughed on. He's already getting very good at it, replied Allie. Yes, she is, agreed Don. Stop sucking for a second, Tanya, and put it in your mouth as far oh, as it will go. Oh, oh, oh. Reluctantly, Tony complied as both of his roommates observed him closely. Allie approached him with a black permanent marker. She took it and marked where his lips touched on the dildo. Now we have a baseline, so we can measure your progress, smiled Allie. Progress? asked Tony. You're going to want to learn to deep throat eventually, said Don. This way you'll know how close you're getting to it. It'll also make for better videos. The further you can take the dildo into your mouth, added Allie. Actually, why not get a record of this? I'm sure there's a market, suggested Don. Not a bad idea, agreed Allie, turning on her phone. Okay, I'm rolling. Good, said Don. Now, Tanya, just place nice, nice, soft, slow kisses right on the tip. Tony complied while Allie made sure to capture the whole thing on her phone. She'd be able to edit the video on her laptop later. Now, run the tip of your tongue from the base to the tip, commanded Don. Do it, Tanya. A nice, slow lick, repeated Allie. Tony did this several times. Don was enjoying his obvious discomfort, but he could tell that Allie seemed excited by his subservient dildo licking as well. Now suck those balls, bitch, said Don, <laughs> which forced Allie to stifle her laughter. That was real good. Uh, <clears throat> Tony complied, but he was becoming a bit of a mess as each command just seemed to intensify his humiliation. Now suck on the cock nice and softly, said Allie. Do it like you mean it, like you want to make it come. Let it slide in and out of that mouth of yours, all warm and wet. Oh, princess, your lipstick is getting all messed up, laughed Don. That's right. Coat the cock with your lipstick, Tanya. Feel the head slipping over your wet lips. Feel the vein with your tongue, instructed Allie. Tony looked at his red nails and the matching lipstick smeared on the phallus, and it somehow made it even more humiliating. Allie was certain that she had enough footage to make more product for Tony to sell, but she worried that both Dawn and she were spending a lot more time working on Tony's live stream and clip stores than they were working on their own. The amount that they were making on the live stream had fallen sharply, and they'd gone about as risque with the pictures they were selling as they were comfortable with. On the other hand, Tony was getting better and better at what he was doing. Dawn's intention with the dildo lesson may have been to humiliate him, but those lessons had paid off. When he grabbed the dildo and began to suck it in front of his viewers, the tributes just flowed in. And the more success he had, the more his confidence grew. It didn't take long before Allie decided that Tony was more comfortable in front of the camera than she was. First of all, Billy, thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, I'm Annika Martin. I am a romance writer, and I just sit and think of like 
exciting things and write them down. <laughs> what, what? How would you define erotic romance, erotic fiction, erotica? How would you define it? People like just people do like to make that distinction. Like to me, erotica is more like it's sort of just the story doesn't mean that much. You know, it's not that important. And then in um, in erotic romance, it's more like it's just like a, a romantic story where. Um, that's steamy. That can get steamy. Like as opposed to romance, romance can get steamy too. I guess erotic romance is steamier. That's my, that's mm-hmm. kind of my take on it. So like, would you say erotic romance will use words like cock and fuck and rim oh, yeah. job and things like that? Totally. Totally. Okay. Yes. Yes. But romance writing would use like flowery imagery and like she rode the stallion of his manhood. <laughs> Actually, no, that's kind of like a, a more of an old school uh, conception of it. Um, like it used Rite Aid be- still sells those books at my Rite Aid in Brooklyn. There's still pictures of a woman on a horse on the cover. Well, like the and- old ones? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's come a long way. Um, that is sort of, I think people think of it like, oh, you know, the kind of purple prose romance. I mean, there are a lot of sort of discussions of, you know, what are good words to use, but like his, you know, his flowering manhood, you're not going to find that really in a contemporary book anymore, generally. Do you think that the fact that you don't see that in contemporary romance is in part because society has evolved that we're all a little bit more okay talking about it? That's a really good question. I don't know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's more uh, possibly about women feeling like they can more own those sexual terms too. Mm -hmm. Like um, they don't have to sort of dress them up. You can just say cock and cunt and stuff like that. You can scream it even. You can just... uh, You can scream You can open your window and just yell it and like, that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right. I don't know what will happen, but we could. You know, that's a really good question. Mm -hmm. I don't know the answer to. That I don't know the answer to. That I'm telling you again that I don't know the answer to. That's okay. How long have you been in the space and what even got you into this type of writing? Um, I have always just really enjoyed writing a lot and um, and I always liked writing books and reading books. You know, I'm just like a, one of the nerdy girl in the corner who like just wanted to be with her books all the time. And I was reading a lot of literary fiction actually in my earlier life and then – and. And weirdly, like I started with genre fiction and like fantasy and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And then um, I went and kind of became, went the English lit route. And then like I discovered romance and weirdly, I just, it's like I rediscovered my love of reading. Like I rediscovered my love for going, you know, I just kind of, you know, that feeling where you have a book and you're just like, world, just go away. All I want to do is be alone with my book and just this is what you know I want and sort of it's just exciting and you look forward to your book and so I like when I started reading romance and then I'm like this is what I want to write now and so that's when I kind of got really serious about writing in a way that I hadn't been before you know like how you level up in levels of seriousness with any artistic endeavor so um, that's how I got into it and I started like I, I was published traditionally by Random House in 2010 and uh, now I mostly do indie publishing. You can kind of be more free and wild. 
Yeah, it seems like the 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 concept of indie publishing has really opened the floodgates that like kind of a lot of people can now get into it and that there's uh, a lot more diversity of the types of stories you could go get. Absolutely, absolutely. And publishers have like a bottom line, like they had to kind of cater to the masses like and thinking about numbers. But if you want to do something that's, you know, a little more offbeat, you know, like a big publisher, you know, with their machinery, it's not it's not going to work for them to cater to that. But a single person can go make a really amazing living on that. You know, a person that wants this really specific thing, like I want like alien abduction or whatever it is. You know, um, yeah. I don't write alien abduction, but like that wouldn't I think exist and you know a genre like that. You know, and also like a lot of us started in traditional publishing and having problems with that, or not problems, but you know, like all the sort of challenges of traditional publishing when you're trying to um, write sort of more, you know, unusual stuff or sexy stuff. And then when the floodgates of indie open, you're like, you're hitting the ground running. You're ready. You're not like learning your craft. You've already got your craft. You know, you're already ready. And you've been like sort of chopping at the bit to find and connect with an audience. And then like, oh, look, here you have the tools now. Now, how would you describe your style? Mm, I write in a lot of different genres. So I write like super dark books. Um, I write super like fun, dirty romantic comedy sort of. And then I write more traditional straight romantic, not straight romantic, but like let like more romantic comedy. That's just steamy instead of super dirty. (laughs) So So like, like are your sex scenes a little more condensed? No, it's actually like for romantic comedy, I'm a steamier writer. Like a lot of romantic comedy writers um, that are especially traditionally published that they'll have small, more condensed sex scenes. But I like to spend time on the sex scenes because I feel like a lot of character development can come out. Like a lot of times that's where people's weirdness is or that's where people like if they're up against something, um, it's sort of like, uh, you know, uh, holding your feet to the fire when you're having sex with someone. Like Mm -hmm. like you're just – there's more raw, raw stuff there, raw emotional stuff, I feel like. So I like to mine that. And so like when I do romantic comedy, like it's important for me to have like fun stuff and funny stuff happen, you know, insects or not. But um, I think it's important. I think character development that's in a sex scene is really important to me. Do So you say you write in different genres. So uh, what's like the difference between a sex scene in the different types of genres you do? They're they're all like there for character development a little bit. Um, romantic comedy would have more fun things, funny things. Um, mm-hmm. In a dark romance, it's more like uh, a little bit more edgy and taboo. Like it's like, oh look, here's the dark forest, and you know, or like in the dark romance, it'll be like he's an escape prisoner taking me, like kidnapping me and taking me across the country, and it's a little more taboo. Let's just say, sure. and so it's a li- okay. little more like. For instance, Sky and I wrote a book called Prisoner, where it's like an escape prisoner like kidnaps his prison English teacher and mm. is obsessed with her. And she's like, it, it's, you know, it's like a very edgy thing. And so that's not going to be a funny sex scene. It's going to be more sure. like dangerous. Or like I have this um, series like the Kinky Kidnapped by Kinky Bank Robbers. That's kind of funny. It's like they just kind of have sex and then go around robbing banks all the time and staying in luxury <laughs> hotels. And so those are more like lightweight and funny and, but also a little edgy. I don't know. (laughs) So it's like, I like to run the gamut. Well, Annika, you, uh, we, we, you have a scene prepared for us today that we're going to be reading together. We're going to do a dramatic reading. (laughs) (sighs) Ah, 
channeling my inner actor. Uh, can you can you give us a little bit of context? Set us up for what is it we're about to read? What's the book that it comes from? Okay, so this is this is one of the romantic comedies. It's um it's called Most Eligible Billionaire, and it's basically it's they're um, always so eligible. <laughs> he's so eligible the most dude the most eligible billionaire of all of them this is In, the second reading we're doing that involves a billionaire <laughs> i know it's so funny right back in the 50s it was just a millionaire but inflation <laughs> <laughs> actually like i have six books set in new york with billionaires and i'm like how many billionaires are in new york there's 300 so I'm good. <laughs> you could write a book about each one so specifically. <laughs> yes. And they're all like unbelievably hot, unlike in real life. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, okay. So this is, there's this girl who takes pity on this old woman and her dog and walks her dog for her. And then the old woman leaves the dog billions of dollars and, um, and then she's in a constant war with the true heir who thinks she's a scam artist. So anyway, this is her and the billionaire and um, they've gotten together. Um, but the dog's name is Smuckers and the dog is just always around. So this is Wait, like, I did I not get a dog to voice that part. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> did not prepare. Uh, whenever you're ready, go okay. ahead. He gets this serious look. It was never like this. He slides a hank of my hair through two fingers with this expression, like it's the most amazing hair he's ever felt. Me too, I say. He seems to like that. He watches me with such warmth and affection. It feeds my soul. I'm glad, he says. That was unbelievable. I want to do everything to you. You kind of did. <laughs> oh, hardly. Oh, hardly, I smile. I loved to feel you come inside of me. I love how your body feels. I love how you breathe, he says. Sometimes you just breathe and I want you. I kiss him on the nose. And that biting thing. Yeah, I smile. Yeah, he says. And that wet finger thing. I narrow my eyes. What wet finger thing? You know, the wet finger touch. I furrow my it feels brow. like something dirty. Does she put the finger in his butthole? Because he, it feels like he doesn't want to say what the wet finger thing. Like he's ashamed of his prostate. <laughs> That's what I'm reading off of him. <laughs> you are getting subtext. <laughs> okay, I furrow my brow, trying to think what he means. Oh wait, I didn't even read that far ahead. I was right. <laughs> I, I was guessing. I didn't even read <laughs> Hilarious. Okay. <clears throat> when you lightly touched my asshole with your wet finger, rubbing and stroking with your finger, it it was hot. I frown. God, was I in that much of a fugue state? I wasn't doing anything like that. You just touched it, like really lightly. I study his eyes, trying to figure out if he's joking or what. That's when I see Smuckers on the bed behind him, tail wagging, tongue hanging out. Oh, I say. What? What's wrong? He follows the direction of my gaze, and a look of horror comes over him. Horror. I snort and smash my face to his chest. So not funny, he says. Oh, it's a little funny, I say, into the sweaty pillow of muscle on his chest. 
Go away, Smuckers. I'm just laughing. Don't even, he says, rolling on top of me, caging me. I snort. And to think I imagine you didn't like dogs. That has to be the last joke you make about that. He leans down, biceps bulging. I frown. The last? Isn't that a little extreme? He kisses my neck. I mean it. Or I might retaliate in the most excruciating way. Ooh, I might like it, I say. Yay! (laughs) Oh, very good. (laughs) That was great. Yeah. Hi, I'm Tiffany Rice. I am the USA Today bestselling author of The Red um, and the author of the Lambda Award-winning original Sinner series from Harlequin Mira, uh, published about 30 smutty books, which is a lot of smutty scenes. So very happy (laughs) to be here today talking about erotica. How would you define erotica, erotic romance, what you do? Well, erotica and erotic romance are different. So an erotic romance is a romance novel and it fulfills all the criteria of a romance novel. Um, You know, a couple or a thruple, perhaps if we're in erotic romance, um, you might have more than what, more than two people involved, but it still has uh, people working toward falling in love, building a relationship uh, and an optimistic ending that they're going to stay together and have a good relationship. So Mm -hmm. uh, an erotic romance is just a romance novel with much more explicit sexual content than your average romance. So like using the word cock versus manhood. That and also just more scenes, you know, you could, you could have a pretty explicit sex scene in a romance novel and, and there might just be one of them and it's fairly explicit and that wouldn't make it an erotic romance. Uh, most erotic romances, the, the sex starts early, it happens often and in, in a regular romance, the suspense is more, when are they going to do it? Um, and in erotic romance, it's more, they're already doing it. When are they going to admit they're falling in love with each other? Uh, <laughs> but erotica is a much older genre. It's one of the earliest genres you can find, you know, if if you include the Kama Sutra, uh, the Song of Songs, the Song of Solomon, the poetry of Sappho, for example, um, then erotica has been around for thousands of years, uh, whereas mm-hmm. whereas romance novels are are about 200, 300 years old. Uh, So it's a much older genre and it tends to be transgressive, uh, sexually explicit. um, And the whole point of it is, is often just exploring sex in its many forms and deviations. No romance required. How did you get into writing erotic romance? Well, I started, uh, as a reader, as everybody does, you start as a reader and, you know, 12 years old, my mother gets a, a box of Harlequin presents um, and she doesn't read them, but I do. So I discovered what was Harlequin presents. Harlequin presents is sort of the classic Harlequin romance. Everybody's seen them in drugstores. The covers are white. They have little circles on them uh, and they're, they look painted. And inside the circles is a little painting of a man and a woman kissing or he's grabbing her or they're about to kiss or something like that and it's harlequin prevent presents uh the lusty chic harlequin presents the the uh, uh sinful billionaire you know and so there are these very fantasy over the top romances with a couple 
vaguely explicit sex scenes in them and they've been around for 50 years or something like that. Um, so they were my introduction to romance novels, adult fiction and, and books with sex scenes in them. And I just uh, was hooked after reading my first Harlequin Presents and I read romance and erotica all through high school and college. So I just started out as a reader and of course, once you read a couple bad ones, you think, oh, I could I could do this better in my sleep. Uh, so, so that's how it started. I started writing because I thought I could do it better than some of these other writers. Uh, and it turned into a career. How, how, what was it like writing your first novel? It was fun. I mean, because I had written... Um, some erotic fan fiction and posted it online, which is good training ground. Um, that's kind of with your training wheels. And I got so much good feedback on it and such an ego boost and so much support uh, that I, I realized, okay, I'm pretty good at this. This is this is in my wheelhouse. Um, so it, it was actually not scary. Um, it wasn't uh, it wasn't intimidating because I, I had sort of eased my way into it uh, by posting erotic scenes on the internet for small groups of, of readers. What, what was your first fan fictions about? Like uh, which movie or TV show? Okay. So the famous actor, Jason Isaacs, the British actor, he played Lucius Malfoy in the Harry Potter oh. movies and he was the evil Colonel Tavington in the Patriot. So one of my yeah. best friends was obsessed with him and uh, she sent me some lusty Colonel Tavington fan fiction and it was so hot it made me want to watch the movie <laughs> there was colonel tavink there, oh, there's yeah. patriot yeah fan fiction Erotic mel gibson's the patriot there's tons fiction? of it yeah all about oh not about God. mel gibson's character uh, and and not so much about heath ledger's character but definitely the evil colonel tavington so oh my yes which i didn't realize until she sent me some and i went looking for more and it was terrible i didn't like that some of the the fan fics made him nice it's like the reason he's sexy is because he's so evil. That's part of the fantasy that he's ruthless, that he'd do anything. Um, so I'm I wrote him as ruthless and and vicious, uh, which is why mine were so popular. Uh, but yeah, that's where I started, and then I started writing the Siren, which was my first full length novel. Uh, and I based the main character on the real Jason Isaacs, not one of his characters. Um, he he said in an interview that he plays all these vicious, wicked, mean, awful, uh, ruthless characters. But in real life, he's this sort of nerdy, Jewish, overeducated guy. And and I remember thinking, I can make that sexy. I can make that work. So he, he inspired my first real novel, The Siren, um, which I worked on for about six years before getting published. How would you describe your style i tend to lean toward the gothic gothic tends to be mean uh, romance plus horror uh so there's a lot oh. of content in my books that disturbs and scares people on purpose yeah. so <laughs> uh my book the does Red, it go to uh, like a borderline vory place no not quite but for example in my book the red uh all of the sex scenes in the book it's set in an art gallery and all the sex scenes are based on real paintings. And mm. one of the paintings is a Minotaur painting by Picasso. And so I create a very creepy, trippy, disturbing uh, sex with a Minotaur scene. And and it's it's quite gothic and strange and hallucinatory. I remember when The Red came out, six or seven people told me that scene literally gave them nightmares after they read it. It's consensual. <laughs> it's just trippy, hallucinatory and weird. Um, and <laughs> I mean, imagine, imagine scary, if yeah. you 
Imagine you're doing a sex scene based off of like beheading the John the Baptist painting. I could, so you I know, Salome was very sexy. She was very sexy. I could work with her. So it could be done. But yeah. So I have I have scared readers. And, and in my original Sinner series, uh, one of the uh, main characters is a Catholic priest who's also a sadist. Uh, so that bothers a lot of people, too. But I'm Catholic. I can get away with that. When you decide what you're going to write, how much of what turns you on dictates that and how much is it predicting what's going to turn other people on or SEO marketing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's not me. If if it was what turned me on, I couldn't write 30 books on it because, mm. you know, I don't I'm not an encyclopedia of sex. I'm not that interesting. Um I'm certainly not 30 books. <laughs> worth of erotica interesting in my sex life. Um, so yeah, it's not me. It's it's sort of like writing a mystery novel and finding creative ways to kill people off. You as the mystery writer or the thriller writer is not a murderer. You're not particularly a big fan of murder in general, and you don't want your friends or family or yourself to get murdered in any creative ways. But it's a fun mental challenge as a writer to come up with a creative murder um, or a, a mystery twist or, or a new killer that we didn't see coming. And it's the same for erotica, at least for me. You know, if I can think of a new creative way to uh, write a very standard activity, a penis inside a vagina, how do you make that creative for the 30th, 31st book or the 2000th sex scene I've written? How will he finger her this time? Yes, we exactly. Don't know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's lots of different ways and different locations and reasons for it, you know, uh, motivations for it, what the state of the relationship is. Uh, you know, a, a fingering between a couple that hates each other but is attracted to each other is very different from two friends fingering each other uh, because they're bored in lockdown. Those are completely different <laughs> scenes. Same activity, but completely different scenes and, and completely different books. So, yeah, you can get really creative even with just a basic, your basic fingering situation. Love a basic fingering situation. <laughs> Don't we all? Don't we all? <laughs> So you have an excerpt from one of your stories that you're going to read us today. Uh, yes. Do you want to like introduce the scene that you're about to read? Sure. Uh, so this is from my book, The Rose, uh, which is a standalone sequel to The Red. So as I said, in The Red, all the sex scenes are based on uh, real paintings. In The Rose, I went with Greek mythology. We have a, a character named August, um, who is, uh, even though this is modern, modern day England, that he is an adept of the Temple of Eros. So he serves Eros. Basically, he's a male escort. And our uh, heroine, Laia, um, has been hurt in the past, and she comes to him for help uh, with her, her sexual wounds that she suffered emotionally uh, from being betrayed in the past. Uh, so this is their, their seduction scene. They've just negotiated that they're going to start sleeping together and what price and what's going to happen. And so this is, this is what happens next. You want to have sex with me right this second, Lai asked. I need time to prepare myself. I don't care if you're waxed or not, August said. That is not what I was talking about, she said. Laia took a deep breath, tried to slow her panic breathing. I meant I needed to emotionally prepare myself. Mind-body connection, you know. I'm not going to put my cock in your brain, he said. Although in certain <laughs> positions it can feel like that, I hear. Your ankles on my shoulders, for example, can get very deep. Want to try it? Laia tried not to picture that. She failed. August unbuckled his belt. So much for calming her wild breathing. Please stop that, she said. August gave her a long, searching look. His strange, stormy eyes were full of what appeared to be compassion. He didn't just cheat on you, did he? What did he do? 
Nothing I can talk about, she said. It was very bad. All you need to know. He didn't press and she appreciated that. You've been hurt, he said. The sooner you sleep with me, the sooner you'll start to feel much, much better. I promise. I'm not being glib. I do this job for a reason. And that reason is I'm very good at making my patrons feel very good. I also make my Patreon members feel very good. Uh (laughs) As you should. Good job. Well done. Uh, August touched her chin gently and tilted her face up to meet his eyes. I changed my mind, she said. I'll go now. She slapped the arms of her chair and stood up. Or you can sit there and watch me take my clothes off, he said. Also a viable option, she said, sitting down again. She could always leave after he took his clothes off, and she would, right? August pulled off his shirt, and she stared as if hypnotized as he tossed it onto his jacket. The jeans next. There were no underclothes to bother with. He stepped in front of her, completely naked. He was magnificent. There existed no other word for him in any language. He had an athlete's form and a boy's beauty and a man's cock. He held out both arms to his sides and slowly turned in a circle, displaying himself to her like goods on the auction block. And where was her bidding paddle when she needed it? Muscled arms etched with veins, broad, long, smooth back, narrow waist, a perfect arse, endless legs with thighs corded with muscle. She stared at him. There was no comparing his skin to velvet or silk or stone or steel. He was smooth, hard, male flesh, all of him. His pulse beat at the base of his throat. She tried to meet his eyes, but her gaze wandered down to the tattoo of the three-petal rose on his lower stomach. The urge to press her tongue to it was almost overwhelming. Her stomach contracted, her breaths grew short and shallow, and her fingernails dug into the leather armchair when she allowed herself the pleasure of looking at his cock. Beautiful cock, hard and erect, large enough to frighten her, but not to frighten her away. She had thought she'd felt lust before, but that had been like a child dipping her toes into a wading pool. Now Lia threw herself naked into the deepest end of the ocean. August was not simply a beautiful man. August was a god. He met her eyes. Shall we? He asked. All right, Lia said, swallowing. You talked me into it. Ooh, very well done. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Just a fun little seduction scene. You are using sex to get me to do your laundry again. Eva shook her head, lightly grazing his dick with her cheek. Theodora, where can people go to find you and find your work? Um, anywhere fine books are sold. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Amazon, Barnes & Noble, I, um, iBooks, where else? Kobo, <laughs> Google, uh, Google Books Store. If you just search my name you will find my books they are everywhere so are you on any social media you also want them to oh yes yes please come to to my instagram and your handle is um wow (laughs) that that is a very rude question Why would you even ask me that rude question? Now I'm like literally on my computer being like, what is, what is your my handle? handle? <laughs> Taylor.Theodora. It would be so much funnier if it was just at Theodora Taylor, though. And you were oh, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> what, the fuck? what is my name? <laughs> what is my name? Who am I? <laughs> I push my hips forward, trying to tempt him, needing him more than my dignity. Finally, he pushes two fingers between my legs. Uh, and Sky, where can people go to find uh, more of you, more of your work? You can always head to 
skywarren.com. I'm also on Instagram at skywarrenbooks and I'm on TikTok as skywarren. Now run the tip of your tongue from the base to the tip, commanded Dawn. Do it, Tanya. A nice, slow lick, repeated Allie. Uh, and Kylie, thank you so much for uh, taking time to chat with us. You know, where could people go to find you and find more of your work? Well, um, and to find out about Jared. Ooh, <laughs> there's a whole bride scene with Jared. Um, so <laughs> KylieGable.com is kind of like a link tree for me. It, it links to everything, but you can find my books on Amazon, uh, um, some on Smashwords. I'm on uh, Clips for Sale, and I want Clips. We're all over. I'm all over the place, and also I have my own podcast, which is on Monday nights, uh, the Feminization Boudoir Podcast from Candy Apple Press. And Shay, where can people go to hear more of that beautiful voice of yours? Oh, thank you so much. Um, I have my own website as well. Um, it's shaylaaspasia.com. And you want to spell that for us? Absolutely. It's um, aspasia, which is a s p a s i a. But yeah, shaylaspasia.com, and I'm also on Night Flirt, and you can find my audios on Clips for Sale, and I want clips too. Yeah, he says. And that wet finger thing. I narrow my eyes. What wet finger thing? Well, Annika, where can people go to find you, find more of your work? I'm on all the bookstores like Annika Martin, or I have a website called Annika Martin Books, and um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and just venturing into TikTok. So I'm kind of all over. (laughs) I'm not going to put my cock in your brain, he said, although in certain positions it can feel like that, I hear. (laughs) Tiffany, where can people go to find you, find your work? Well, I would tell you on Instagram, but Instagram's down today, along with Facebook and, <laughs> and everything else out there. But if if ever Instagram comes up again, I'm Tiffany underscore Rice, R-E-I-S is in Sam, Z is in Zebra, uh, on Instagram and TiffanyRice.com on my website. Uh, so that's where you can usually, usually find me or information about me. Tiffany, why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody? Goodbye, man horse and all of your followers and all of your horse. God bless. All the whores. All the whores. <laughs> all my love to all the whores. God bless. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you so much for, for having us. This is great. I um, really enjoyed myself and really enjoyed listening to uh, listening to you read this. Yes, thank you so much. I really appreciate being here, too. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thanks for having me. Oh, goodbye. And Billy, thank you for having me to all the future and current romance readers out there. Thank you and happy reading. Y'all think I got a future in erotica voiceover or what? What do you think? <laughs> Let me know at uh, shoot me an email at manhorpod at gmail.com. Folks, I will have links to all of our guests today, including the lovely Shayla Aspasia, in the show notes of this week's episode. Fan Horror Nation would love to know what you thought about the Erotica episode. Come by the Champagne Room and let us know what you think. Introduce yourself today at manwhorepod.com slash discord.
Don't forget to call in and leave a message with your comments or questions or criticisms to 626-580-1351. You just may hear it here on the show. I don't remind y'all to do this often. I'm not sure if uh, how much I really need to say this every week. It's like if you're the person who does ratings and reviews, I feel like you go and do them. But I guess every once in a while you might need a nudge because the people who don't do ratings and reviews... Yeah, they don't really do them, and I don't think me saying it now is going to change anything, but whatever, folks, if, you, if you're listening to this show on Apple Podcasts, hell, even if you don't but you got an iPhone, do go leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts for the Man Whore Podcast. If the app you use has any sort of review or rating system, I would really appreciate your support and feedback over there as well. And by feedback, I do mean five stars come on folks uh <laughs> nothing ratings aren't real this is just this is all a game of numbers here and i'm just and y'all are all my team to i guess help me win it and i'm gonna help you try to win some of it and then we all get to uh die in a box one day if you would like to die in a box with me one day on patreon <laughs> become a member enjoy a slew of bonus episodes and behind the scenes content some extra bonus writings from yours truly that i do not post publicly and not for nothing just general closer access to moi you can join up for as little as two dollars at patreon.com slash podcast that's patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash podcast J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 take flight, stay slutty. Dogecoin to the moon, ready to buy the dip? Start investing in cryptocurrency today with Coinbase. And you can get $10 worth of Bitcoin for free after signing up at manhorpod.com slash crypto. Come on, how much longer is this fiat thing going to last?